We read a verse for several weeks and it said this. In Proverbs 28 verse 1, it says, The godly are as bold as lions. Godly people are bold. But I want to show you that godly people aren't just bold. That we're not just called to boldness, but we're called to something else. I want you to read this with me. It's our new theme verse for a few weeks. Psalm 37 verse 21. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Let's read it together. Come on, church. Ready? The godly are generous givers. Let's try it again. Ready? Come on. The godly are generous givers. So in other words, godly people are bold and they're generous. So God has called us to bold generosity. So I want you to close your eyes as we pray. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for what you've said already in all all the three services as we are now in our fourth service, not even counting our campuses. And Lord, I thank you today that you're going to speak again. I ask that you would anoint the words that I share and anoint us to receive it. Lord, I just want to pray right now that every wall that people have placed up in their hearts because of disappointment or abuse or, Lord, maybe feeling like they don't have enough. Lord, I pray that as we jump into this topic, that you would tear down those walls. They would open up their hearts and that you would speak to us. Say this with me. Say, God, speak to me. I want to be bold and I want to be generous in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. As we learn that Nehemiah was a bold man, he was a bold prayer, he was a bold visionary, but he's also a man of bold generosity. The way that he was generous is that when he came to Jerusalem and they began to rebuild the walls, and by the way, that picture in Jerusalem is kind of a, a beautiful symbol of you and I, because many of us, like the children of Israel, we've been called back to God and we've rebuilt the temple, which is what happened in Jerusalem, so we've established this place of worship in our life. Even though we become Christians and we worship God, there's broken areas that surround our lives. And so God wanted to rebuild those broken places so that the children of Israel wouldn't just survive, but they would thrive. How many know that God's called us not to just survive? We want to thrive. How many want to thrive? God wants you to be blessed and he wants you to walk in his fullness and his purpose. And so Nehemiah came and as he began to build the walls, one of the things that he did over the 12 years that he was governor of that region is that he basically never taxed the people. As a governor, he had the right to to draw a tax from the people to help pay for all the things that were going on. Um, But he chose not to do that because he knew that they'd gone through difficult situations. So he was very generous in that he didn't cause the tax. Secondly, he fed 150 people from his personal table using his personal income to do it for 12 years. Come on, how many know... If you've ever had catered something for 150 people, how many know that costs some money? So this was a generous guy, and he ends up praying a prayer saying, God bless me for my generosity. And we're going to touch on that next week. In fact, let me just tell you, you do not want to miss next weekend. And, and I'm a little bit selfish in it because next weekend I'm going to share with you an incredible testimony that I believe part of the breakthrough came from bold generosity. And that testimony is our family. Um, next week, I'm going to tell you the story of how my son came home. How many know that God is a miracle working God? He's now in a program. Things have changed. God has done a miracle. And I believe as I share that story, it's going to bless many of you and give you hope. Many of you have been praying for us, been praying for him. Thank you for your prayers. God is a miracle working God. Amen. So next week, I want to tell you that story because I believe that there's a, a, a spiritual principle of generosity that's connected to it. And so I can't wait to do that. 
But today I want to talk to you that as Nehemiah began to be a generous man, as they built the walls, once the walls were completed, God's people literally were saying, I want to step into a new season and I want to walk in God's blessing. Nehemiah did something. Here's what he did. The first thing Nehemiah does once these walls began to be built, God restored the city, is the first thing he did is he called the people together and he said this. He said, it's time for us to hear the word of God. And so Ezra, the scribe, he began to preach and teach the word of God to the people. And then when they received the word and heard the word, the Bible says that Nehemiah called them to repentance. And as the people of God, they repented of their sin. And here's what they repented of. They repented of the sin that they weren't people who were generous. They weren't tithing. And the Bible says that they made a commitment together as God's people that we're going to turn from our selfishness. We're going to turn and we are going to honor the Lord and we're going to be tithers and we're going to commit to God. Let me show you this because this sets the context for generosity because a lot of people think they're being generous, but they don't realize that they're not really being generous. They think they're being givers, but they don't realize that they're really not. In fact, let me just show you. It says that once they came together and they heard the teaching of God, they solemnly promised to carefully follow all the commands of the Lord. Here's what they said. We promise to bring the first part of every harvest, to give God our oldest son. Some of you are like, hey, I like that one. Amen. Now, now, let me just say, when they say to give God the oldest son and the firstborn of the herds and the flocks, what they're referring to is that the firstborn, the first fruit. And what happened is, is that remember when the children of Israel were in slavery and the, all of these plagues came to try to, to cause Pharaoh to let God's people go and experience freedom. And finally, on the 10th plague, which was God set the death, death angel, he protected all of the Israelites from their oldest children dying, but the oldest children in every home of the Egyptians passed away. And it was through that act that finally the children of Israel experienced freedom. So God said, I want you now to give your firstborn. And they didn't actually give the firstborn. What they would do is they'd bring their firstborn child to God. And what they would do, their oldest son, then they would give an offering or give a, a special tithe and gift and buy back their son saying, God, thank you that you spared our firstborn so that we could be free. Thank you that the firstborn was given so that there was freedom. And can I just tell you that? It's a beautiful picture of what God eventually did for us. Because God gave his firstborn on a tree so that his people could be free. Come on, somebody say amen to that. So the reason that they gave the firstborn son and the first of their flocks and the first of their harvest, and not only that, he said, we also promise that we will bring to the Levites a tenth of everything our land produces. Here's basically what happened. The children of Israel, God began to restore and change them. Revival began to come. And the first thing they did is they said, God, forgive us for not being people who tithe. We're going to commit to tithing. So today, I believe that this is a picture of the church in America today. And, and I believe for, for some of us, I believe we're in the same position that God wants to bring new things, a blessing but the key is that we may have to repent of some things, and we have to com commit to some things, and I believe one of those things may be tithing, and I'm going to talk to you about it. A lot of people don't know what it is, and so we're going to talk a little bit about it today. I'm going to give you two points, but let me just say first, I, I want you to know something today. I know that this is a sensitive topic. I know for some people, when you talk about money, in fact, some people, I've already heard it, you know, yeah, see, you go to church, and all they want is your money. 
And maybe you're here today and this is sensitive to you because you've either seen abuse by people who are supposed to be good stewards of God's money, or maybe that you've had a bad situation happen for you. Maybe you've been discouraged. And I want to tell you something today. First of all, I'm going to ask you to give me a little grace as your pastor. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't really don't, at times I struggle with this topic because I know people are going to struggle to receive it. But here's what I want you to know. First of all, you don't have to give anything to come to Higher Vision. If you want to show up and never give a dime, that's between you and God. We're glad you're here. Number two, I'm going to tell you something you probably don't hear, and that is this. You don't have to tithe to go to heaven. The Bible says we're saved through faith in Christ alone, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you're not saved through what you do, through your giving. You're saved through faith in Jesus. So if you believe in Jesus, you're going to heaven. Come on, somebody say amen. And here's the third thing. If you give or you don't give as your pastor, I will have no idea either way. I made the choice when we started Higher Vision Church. A lot of pastors kind of have an idea of what people give and stuff just because they're, you know, aware of the finances. I made a decision. I don't want to know what people give. And I'm just going to be real transparent here. Here's one of the reasons why. Because I didn't want to be tempted to like really be happy and nice to some people and not as nice to others. Come on, just being real. Just being honest. I didn't want that temptation. I didn't want to be like, hey, why don't you come sit in the front? I didn't want to be tempted. So I don't know. I don't know. You could come to this church and never give a dime. I'd never know. That all being said, let me say this. I believe with all my heart, and I believe you're going to see some of it today and over the next few weeks, that you will never live the best and the most blessed life until you understand the power of generosity. So today I'm going to ask you to give me a little grace. Maybe in that brick wall you've built, take a couple of them out. Open up a little bit. Because we're going to learn two principles today about bold generosity. Here's principle number one. You ready? If you're a person of bold generosity, bold generosity honors the tithe. Bold generosity honors the tithe. So let's talk for a minute about what tithing is. A lot of people don't really understand what it is. What does it mean to tithe? I'm going to talk about that. And I want to use a passage in the Bible that teaches on tithing. But here's what's cool. This week, we're going to use the book of Malachi chapter 3 to talk about tithing. But here's what most people don't know. The book of Malachi was written by the prophet Malachi at the same time Nehemiah was leading the, the city of Jerusalem. In fact, they were contemporaries. And so while Nehemiah was leading and while he's calling people back to repentance and to tithing... At the same time, the prophet of God, Malachi, is preaching the exact same messages, message. In fact, it was the last prophetic message that God gave his people for 400 years before the actual tithe arrived. Jesus Christ came, who became God's tithe to save the world. How cool is that? So when we talk about this, it was relevant for the time in, in Nehemiah's day, just like it's, you're going to see it's relevant for us. So let's read what tithing is. Let's start in Malachi chapter 3. Here's what God says. I want you to return to me. The message was the, the people of God, they're kind of away from me. And so they need to turn towards me. He says, if you return to me, I'll return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how can I return? Let me stop right there. There's a lot of people in this room that over the last several months as the new year came in, you kind of said, God, you know, I've kind of been wayward. I've been doing my own thing. I really want to come back to you wholeheartedly. I want to turn my life over to you. I want you to be first. So how do I do it? This is how God says, this is one of the strategic ways that you turn to him. 
How do you return to me, God says? He says, well, let me give you some context. Should people cheat God? Yet you cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? There's a lot of people in church today that don't know that they've cheated God. And they say, I want to come back to you. I want to really turn my life over to you. And God says, I know, but you've been cheating me. And you say, how? He says, here's how you've cheated me. You've cheated me by not bringing the tithes and offerings that are due to me. That's how you've, you've hurt me, how you've robbed from me, how you've cheated me, God says. And he says, and here's the sad thing is you're under a curse for the whole nation has been cheating me. In other words, you're not living in the best. You're not living blessed because you've been robbing me. So here's how you remedy that. Become a tither. What is tithing? You bring all the tithe. Everybody say all the tithe. So we'll go into that in a minute. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Everybody say the storehouse. So there will be enough food in my temple. So God says the greatest way to bring personal renewal and revival in your life is to realize that you've got to tithe. So what is tithing? I'm going to give you three quick things, and we're going to explain it to help you understand. Number one, the tithe is about the percentage. The word tithe is the word tenth, or one-tenth in Hebrew, so it means 10%. So let me explain what tithing is. What tithing is, first of all, is where someone, you or me, whatever we make in income, God says the first 10% of that income that you make When you get it, bring it to my house. Bring it to the church you attend, to the storehouse. Bring it to me because it belongs to me. It's it's mine. Now, here's the reality. A lot of people think they're being generous. What they really are is they're being a thief. Because here's what they'll say. They'll say, well, you know, I want to be generous. In fact, let me describe it this way. Um, you know, I was, I was looking at it, and, and uh, I saw Demo sitting over there, and I thought, you know, I'd really like to bless Demo. I know Demo likes coffee. And so I thought, you know, I want to bless him and, and, and buy him some coffee today. So uh, how many think it'd be nice for me to bless Demo? Yes. Demo raised his hand. Have I, have I, come on, if it were you, how many be, say, yeah, me too. How many think I should bless Demo? Yes. All right. Okay. Robbie, do you have your wallet? Thank, is, there, is there any money in here? Yes, it is. No, you got, you got a little cash in there? All right, nice. Sweet. There's, there's enough for you to get some and me to get some too. How many know that if I bless Nemo, Nemo? If I bless Demo, not find Nemo, how many know that I'm not blessing him, I'm just stealing from someone else? Because, and uh, bro, you can have your wallet back. Thank you, Robbie. Come on, give, give Robbie a hand. See, how many know you can't be generous with somebody else's money? And a lot of Christians think they're being generous because here's what they'll say. They say, oh, you know what? There's this lady on my street and she's been going through a hard time. She's single mom. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take some of that money, that, that this tithe money. I'm going to give it to her and bless her. And what they don't realize is they're not being generous. They're being a thief. Because God says the first 10% belongs to me and you bring it into my house. And what happens is we don't realize is that generosity begins at 11%. 
And so when we get to that 11%, we're using the 90 because here's what God says. He says, if you'll bring the 10%, because here's what you need to understand. Here's what God's, my, my mentality is, is everything you have, I've given you. Your health, the job that you have, the resources that you have, everything has come from me. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring the first 10% of your income back to my house, to the church, give it to the church, and then the 90 that you have left over will be more blessed than if you kept all 100 for yourself. But what happens is people kind of think, well, wait a minute, that's, because it leads us to the other things about tithing. Well, that, you know, I'm just going to be, I'm going to give some of that money to God. What they don't realize is rather than being generous, they're actually taking something that doesn't even belong to them. It's about the percentage, 10%. The second thing it's about is it's about the order. The scripture says, bring the whole tithe, all 10%, into the storehouse, and it, and it talks about giving the first. You see, tithing is about order. It's not just about the amount. What I love about the amount is that, that it's 10%. So if you make a lot, you're, you're sacrificing the same amount as someone who makes a little. Everybody equally is able to honor and give back to God. There's no discrepancy. It's all the same no matter where you are. If you make a little, if you make a lot, we all know that this percentage belongs to God. But it's not just about the amount. It's about the order. It says, God, I'm going to give you the first. So God says it this way. If you're going to have, you know, if you have a, a, a lamb... And, and, a, and you end up having a, an offspring, give the first lamb to me, and then you keep the other nine. Here's what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, have 10 lambs, and then give one of them to me. Right. And that's kind of where a lot of Christians are. They say, okay, God, at the end of the month, if I have a little money left over, you can have it. But God says, no, 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 here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring the first lamb so that you trust that I'll give you the other nine and that I'll bless the other nine because it's about the order. That's what's really cool about now with electronic giving is that people are literally, they get like a monthly income or twice a month they get a, a paycheck. They literally can go online and set up to have literally, as soon as they get paid, the first thing that goes out is right to their storehouse, right here to Higher Vision Church. It automatically goes in. And let me say, we're not being legalistic about it. Like if you go to the grocery store and buy something before it goes to the church, suddenly, you know, you're under a curse. I'm not saying that. It's not about legalism, but it's about the spirit that says, God, I want you to know that you're the first priority in my life. I want you to know that the mortgage company is not the first priority. My car payment is not my first priority. God, you're number one in my life. So you're number one. The first thing goes to you. Because tithing is about the percentage and it's about the order. But here's the big one. And this is the one that I don't hear many preachers teach on. In fact, I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, I've never seen that before. But this is the one I believe is the most important to God of all of them about the tithe. Because it's not just about the percentage and the order. It's about the control. You see, it really comes down to is a lot of people want to control something that doesn't belong to them. And so I want to show you a verse in the Bible that often people don't look at, but it's really connected to this concept of first fruits and of giving and of tithing. Look at what God says to his people. If any native Israelite sacrifices a bull or a lamb or a goat anywhere inside or outside the camp, Instead of bringing it to the entrance of the tabernacle to present it as an offering to the Lord. Let me stop right there. So let me make it more um, relational to where we are today. If any Christian takes his tithe somewhere else besides to the local storehouse, that person, according to the Old Testament, 
will be as guilty as a murderer. Now watch what it says in the next verse. You got really quiet in here. <laughs> Such a person has shed blood and will be cut off from the community. The purpose for this rule is to stop the Israelites from sacrificing animals in the open fields. It will ensure that they bring their sacrifices to the priests at the end entrance of the tabernacle. And look what it goes on to say. Then the priests will be able to splatter the blood against the Lord's altar at the entrance of the tabernacle, and he will burn the fat as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. This is a permanent law for them to be observed from generation to generation. So let me just break it down and tell you what I believe it basically says. It says this. God says, I want you to, when you get the, the tithe, don't think that you get to decide where it goes and what's done with it. Because if you want it to be a pleasing offering that I receive, then you got to learn to take your hands off it and do it the way I told you to. Because there's going to be a temptation all throughout history. It started in the Garden of Eden where people are going to want to control something that doesn't belong to them. They're going to want to control something that belongs to God. All the way back in the garden, what happened? As soon as God said, all of this is yours, don't just touch mine, immediately the enemy comes and the first temptation is what? To touch God's portion. No, 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 you can have that. God didn't really mean that. Hey, you, you have the right to eat that. And I'm going to tell you, I believe this is one of the biggest areas where Christians struggle and where the enemy has deceived them because they think that they can control something that doesn't even belong to them. And so God says, listen, if you want to make sure that this offering is offered to God and it's pleasing and an aroma that's blessing to him, then here's what you got to do. You got to take your hands off it. And quit trying to say, well, I give 3% over here because I like missions, and I give 2% to that preacher that smiles all the time on TV, and then I bring 5% back to the church. And what you're doing, and you don't even realize it, is that now you have become God instead of allowing God to be God. Come on, are you all with me? And a lot of Christians have now on their money, if it were to be honest of what's really going on in their heart, it should say, in me I trust. Because now I've determined, I've become God, and I've said, God, see, here's the reality, is God wants you to place it in someone else's hands. Here's the point. One day, you bring it to your local storehouse. Now you've taken your hand off it. Now guess what? Guess who's accountable for God's money? I am, and this church is. One day, I'm going to stand before God, and God's going to say, either well done, good and faithful servant, or... Not so good. The problem is a lot of people now one day are going to stand before God and they're going to be accountable because they're handling something. They're trying to control something. They're trying to be generous with something that belongs to God. Come on, y'all still with me? Say amen. And that's why in this church we teach you with tithing. You bring it to the local storehouse, you let it go and you give it before God and here's the good news it'll be a sweet aroma because God's seen your heart. You see, if God wants to know, because a lot of people say, well, God knows I love him in my heart. Well, here's what God says. God says, if you really love me in your heart, then I need to determine where your heart is because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So if you say that your heart loves me, if you say that your heart trusts me, if you say that your heart follows me, then you'll take your hands off of what belongs to me and you'll bring it to me and you'll honor the tithe. Come on, y'all still with me? Say amen. I know, I know this is kind of a little tough. Whew. 
because I'll be honest with you, I've been there too. Back in the past in my life when I was tithing, there was a season where I wanted to use that tithe to, well, you know, I wanted to do this missions thing, and man, I wanted to help these people. What I never realized was that I'd become just like Eve, and I'd become just like Adam. I'd tried to take control of something that didn't belong to me. See, what I love is that Nehemiah in the very beginning, Malachi in the very beginning, this new season of God's blessing in their life started by saying, repent of that control. Give it up to God and trust him and honor the tithe. Amen? Second thing, bold generosity is not just honoring the tithe, but bold generosity honors the king. Let's go to Malachi chapter um, 3. So first of all, he says, you've dishonored me because, and and all this stuff has happened because you've kept it for yourself, you've used it for yourself, you've done other things, you've controlled it, but bring it to me, all of it, to the storehouse so that the priests can take care of it. He says, and if you do, here's what the Lord says, I will open up the windows of heaven for you, I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in, try me, put me to the test, the Lord says. Your crops will will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Here's what's really cool. It's basically God says, listen, the reason I want you to do this is not just to show that you trust me, but I want you to do this because I want to position you so that I can bless you. That's what a lot of people don't get when they go to church and they hear people talk about giving is they think that the church is about wanting to get something from you. Listen, I'm not sharing this with you to get something from you. I'm trying to allow God to get something to you and something through you. And the best way to do that is to position yourself to honor him. And so he says, hey, because let me explain it this way. You see, how many know that we serve a king and he's the king of all kings? We're a part of a kingdom, the kingdom of God. Now, there is a responsibility of every king, and here are those two responsibilities. Responsibility number one is that as a king, you're going to protect your people. So you're going to have, you know, an army so that if someone tries to invade or attack, the the kingdom is protected. So one of the jobs of the king is protection. The other job of the king is to provide an atmosphere for provision. So they create an economy so that the people then can get jobs and provide for their family. So the king now, his job is to protect and to provide. So here's the reason God wants you to tithe. It's because he wants you to become a subject of the king so that now you can receive the benefits of the kingdom. So now as you're part of the kingdom, he, you have the promise that he's going to provide for you, that he's going to make a way for you. You have the promise that he's going to protect you from when the enemy is coming at you. You know, the Bible says there is a devourer, that he roams around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. But yet at the same time, the Bible says that the Lord says this, no weapon formed against you will prosper. The Bible tells us that even in the story of Moses, remember when he died and how that, 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 that Satan wanted his body, but God hid it. And when the demons came to try to find his body, angels showed up and said, the Lord rebuke you, and they had to leave. I don't know about you, but man, when you come under the authority of the king, you have the authority of his protection, not just from an invading army, but from the invading neighbor. It's called the police, right? To keep law and order. And there's things that the enemy wants to do. He wants to rob. He wants to steal. He wants to destroy. But God wants you to live the best life lives in the, the best position to walk in his blessing. And I want to say, when the scripture says in, in Malachi that if you don't tithe, you're under a curse, I personally don't believe that we're under a curse if we don't tithe. And here's why. Because when Jesus hung on the cross, the Bible says that the curse was broken. 
But I will say this, even though we're not under a curse, I believe that many are not living under the potential of God's greatest blessing and even protection. The Bible says that he will rebuke the devourer. I got to tell you, there's a lot of times I thank God because I think some of the blessings he's brought to me aren't just blessings that came in the way of money or other things. It's been things have lasted way longer than they should. Come on, how many am I talking about? That, that appliance should have broken down by now. But come on, Jesus rebukes the devourer. Come on, how many am I talking about? Come on, some of you are driving a car that should have broken a long time ago. Right? You're living on a prayer. I mean, you are driving out of the parking lot, and if we could see in the spirit, you got like eight angels around that car like this. It's just it's getting you to the next location. Because God is the king. And when you are subject to his kingship, now you can walk under his protection and you can walk under his provision. Come on, somebody say amen to that. See what I love about that is that God isn't challenging you to tithe because he's trying to take from you. He's trying to bless you. Now, let me, let me stop for a minute and, and talk about something for a minute. You know, the scripture says that when we're generous, that we store up treasure in heaven. Have you ever thought about it? Like, if we store up treasure in heaven, I personally don't think we're going to need money in heaven, right? We shouldn't need money in heaven. I mean, the Bible says that literally that trees have... You know, 12 kinds of fruit on it or 12 different types of food on it. I personally believe next to my house is going to be a tree and on that is going to be like a Ben and Jerry's branch. There's going to be a Chicago style deep dish pizza branch. Come on, somebody say amen. There's going to be Texas barbecue on another branch. Come on, somebody. There's going to be a Chick-fil-A branch. Come on. That'll be open on Sunday. Hallelujah. Come on, how many of you have ever been on your way to Chick-fil-A and you're like, oh, it's Sunday. <laughs> but I tell you this, is that we don't need money in heaven, so what are we storing up treasure for? And, and then it hit me. There's two things. This could be. I'm just going to tell you what it could be. Number one, could it be that God takes your giving and stores it up so that he can open the windows of heaven and pour it back down on you? Could it be that your giving unlocks a spiritual principle to receive what money can't buy? Because you can't buy a miracle. Bill Gates with all his money can't buy a miracle. Sometimes there's things you need that aren't financial. Sometimes you need your son to come home. Sometimes you need peace in the midst of the storm. Sometimes you need the wisdom to see through a situation. And here's what happens. God says, I will open up heaven and I will pour down blessings. And sometimes those blessings aren't financial. Sometimes they're health. Sometimes they're breakthrough. But I got to tell you something. God says this. He says, I will be a debtor to no man. God is not mocked. For what a man sows, he will reap. And I just have this feeling that there's a, that there's a lot of people that are struggling. And here's why. Because there's nothing in their heavenly bank account. Maybe, maybe it means this too, because here's what the Bible says, you store up treasure in heaven. What is true treasure? Because how many know that the things of this world, they're not going with you into eternity? I mean, don't put in your will to hire a U-Haul that's going to go to the cemetery. How many know it's just a waste of money? Because one day this is all going to fade away. What is the only real treasure? What's the only thing of value that will last for all time? It's people. 
your treasure. And maybe when God says that when you are generous that you store up treasure in heaven, maybe there are 41,000 people that are going to be in heaven today because the last 14 years, people that have attended Higher Vision Church have given generously. And now 41,000 treasures have received Christ and are going to be in heaven forever. Because it's through your giving that we're preaching the word. It's through your giving that we're sharing hope with those who are hopeless. In fact, maybe for all eternity, you're going to just be shaking hands with people who are going to come up and say thank you for not making life all about you. Thank you for honoring the king. See, I believe what the book of Nehemiah teaches us is that we're to honor Bold generosity honors the tithe because we know it's God's. And number two, it honors the king. Now, I'm going to end this sermon by showing another part of Malachi. And I'll be honest with you. As I step into this moment, I'm stepping into this moment, I believe, more prophetically than teacher. More prophet than teacher. As a pastor, I flow in different, different offices at different times. Sometimes I flow in a strong prophetic. Sometimes I flow in a strong teaching anointing. Sometimes I flow in a shepherd And I'm telling you right now, I believe what I'm about to share with you is something that I believe is cultural. I believe it's in the church in America, and I believe it's hindering God's people. It's hindering our country and our world from seeing a greater move of God in a way we've never seen before. Because when it comes to resources, when it comes to tithing, it matters to God. I want to show you something in the Bible. We're in the same book, Malachi chapter 3. He's just told us that if you want to come back to me, then repent and start tithing, right? And he said, and if you do, that you come under the kingship of the kingdom and, and you experience my provision and you experience my protection. And then when he says all that, then look what he says. He says, but here's the deal. I just want to let you know, you've said terrible things about me, says the Lord. But you say, well, well what do you mean? What have we said against you? He said, here's what you've said. Here's what you said. You said, what's the use of serving God? What's the use of tithing? What's the use of, of doing what God says? What have we gained in obeying these commands? Look what he says in the next verse. From now on, we will call the arrogant blessed. For those who do evil seem to be the ones who get rich. Let me just pause it and leave it right there. So in other words, here's what God says. There's a lot of you that in the midst, and I'm speaking to me too, there's a lot of us that, that God has been listening, and here's what he's heard. He's heard our excuses. Well, I can't tithe because if I tithe, you know, here's the thing. You don't realize how much money I make. And if I give that much, there's not going to be enough left over. And, and you know what? I tried tithing once and it didn't really work for me. And you know what? If tithing really worked, why is it that my neighbor who doesn't even serve God seems to have way more money than I do? And he seems to be blessed. How come evil people seem to have more money than me? And God says, listen, you keep making excuses and you keep bringing up justifications why you're not obeying me. And the Lord says, I've been listening to you. And he goes on to say this. He said, but then those who feared the Lord and spoke with each other, the Lord listened to what they said. And in his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. Because here's the thing you need to know. When it comes to your money, what you do with the money you have When God looks at your money, here's what he thinks about. Do you honor me or do you dishonor me? Because money with God is about honor. And basically what he says is those who tithe, they fear me and they honor me. 
And those who don't, they're full of excuses. And they're not going to walk in that blessing. Now, some of you would say, well, Pastor, I think you're taking that too far. But I'm going to tell you, I believe in America, we're right there. In fact, I just found some statistics. Can I give some of those statistics to you? Did you know that according in 2018, in the American church, Christians on average gave God 2.5%. The average giving in America for Christians is 2.5%. This one really is, is interesting. If you make $70,000 as a family income or more in America, and how many know living in Southern California, you usually need two people working and you, know, you need $70,000 to get by. I mean, it's expensive to live here. Did you know that in America, if you make $70,000 or more, only 1% of those people actually tithe to God? 1%. And we wonder why we're not seeing revival. We wonder why we're not seeing God's best. So, so I decided to go, okay, well, what's the tithing at Higher Vision? So I had the accounting department do an analysis of our giving. Good news is that we're above the national average. The bad news is that, according to our statistics, only 17% of Higher Vision Church actually gives 10% of their income into the house of God. Now, let me tell you what would happen if actually we had 100%. Do you realize that if we had 100% of our people begin to tithe this year, we would have enough money this year, not only to meet our normal budget, but we have, would have enough money to pay off this building, five and a half million dollars. We could pay it off like that. And we would still have $12 million left over to build orphanages, to give to the homeless, to help people. People say, the church does, you know, they take all your money and they don't help. And there's all these needs. Why aren't they helping the needs? Here's why. Because God's people are giving 1% to God, and his house is empty of food. And if God really honored, if people really honored the Lord, and everybody said, yes, God, I'm going in, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to give to you, you realize we'd have so much money that we'd never have to take an offering, we'd never have to charge for a conference, we could help people all over the world, not only would we pay off this building, but the next year, we wouldn't even have to make the payment on the building, we could do everything that we needed to do for the kingdom of God, have more than enough if people just simply would honor the tithe and would honor the king. It's amazing. And here's the cool thing. It's not like God needs your money because he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's because he wants not to get money from you. He wants to get his blessings to you. And he wants to get them through you. So I said that the, the thing about prophetic I want to share two things, and then we'll, we'll finish. Y'all still with me? Say amen. amen. I'm carrying this really heavy this weekend. So I just thought, what would happen if America, the most blessed, wealthy nation in the world, what would happen if the church, actually 100% of the church, honored God with the tithe? Imagine what could be done all around the world. And it made me think of another excuse. Here, let me just, can I, I want to address something real quick. Because there's a lot of people that when they're processing, they'll have their excuses of why not to. And one of them is they heard someone say it or they researched it. And here's what they basically say. They say, well, you know, Pastor Jared, that's Old Testament. 
But we now are in the New Testament, and in the New Testament, we're not under the law, we're under grace. And with all of my theological experience, we don't have to tithe because we're under grace. So I, I just want to... I want to kind of tear down the lie of the enemy because here's the point. If you had a chance for Jesus to come and sit next to you and he looked at you and you were wearing the wristband, what would Jesus do? You say, look, Jesus, look, 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 look. I got... And you could ask Jesus, how many think that Jesus would be the, a, a good person to find out whether this is the right thing to do or not? Come on. I'm going to say amen to that. Like eight of you think Jesus says, so you don't want to see Jesus? I mean, come on. If Jesus sat down and you said, Jesus, should I tithe? Because let's just get this out in the open. Let's get into New Testament, Old Testament. Should we tie? Well, how about we, we find out? Because I'll show you the verse. Luke 11. This is one that people don't realize. Just, just say it with me. You ready? Here's Jesus' own words. Ready? How about we say it all together? Enough of that lie about the New Testament. Jesus said you should. Now, the context is people were tithing, but then they weren't being honest with their business dealings with their family, and they weren't showing mercy and justice. And so he says, hey, yes, you should tithe, but you need to do that other stuff too. So, so I'm going to tell you, the devil will always give you an excuse to not honor his name. He'll always give you an excuse. Well, we don't have enough, or you don't understand. I'm on a fixed income. I had a woman come up to me after service today. She said, Pastor, you got to tell the people. I am an old woman. I live on Social Security. But i got to tell you, I always give to God first, and I always have enough. Because God has been faithful to me. As I thought about today, and the reason I feel like this, there's a prophetic calling on my heart this weekend. He says, I read through the book of Malachi. I'd never seen this, some of this before. And what the Lord showed me was this, was that Malachi called the people to repent because God was angry at the people for three things. He said, you need to repent because number one, you're robbing from me. You're not tithing. And you think you're being generous, but you're really just being a thief. Secondly, you've been sexually um, immoral. There was a high divorce rate. Men were sleeping around, giving their wives divorce letters and, you know, and so on. And so he said, you need to repent of that. And then the third thing was not directed to God's people. It was directed to the pastors and the leaders. And here's what God said. And this hit me really hard this week. He said, and woe to you because you priests and you leaders will not preach the truth and call the people to repentance from sin. Now one day I'm going to stand before the Lord. I want him to stick a fork in me and say, well done. <laughs> Seriously, I want him to look at me and say, son, I'm proud of you. Because you weren't afraid to speak the truth in love. And as your pastor, I'm standing before you. This is not about higher vision, making more money. We would love for God to bless us with five times. That's what it would be, almost a five-time increase, to be able to do things all over the world, to pay this building off, to, to touch lives in ways that we'd never even dreamed possible. Sure, that would be great, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here because I want you to be positioned 
to honor the name of the Lord and to see his best released in your life. Why don't you become under the authority of the king?